0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. a road trip. You see what we did there? Um, A road trip through the book of Mark. And so we have a fantastic lineup of speakers this summer. Uh, Just various speakers. We have so many former lead pastors and um, other pastors from other churches that, um, for whatever reason, God transitioned them on that are a part of Canvas Church. And we feel so honored to have them here. And they get sent out to speak all over the place, but they uh, make Canvas Church their home. And a lot of this summer, we're going to be hearing from those pastors. We're going to be hearing from those speakers And uh, it's just going to be an awesome, awesome chance to be able to hear from various voices and perspectives on the book of Mark, which has been such an uh, an awesome book. How many of you have enjoyed this series so far? It's been great, hasn't it? So um, we are going to talk about Mark chapter 8 today, and we're going to talk about how to avoid living short-sighted and small-minded, and we'll talk about what that means exactly in a minute. So I'm going to go ahead and um, read uh, the scripture for the sake of time. I'll just read the bits of Mark chapter 8 that I'm going to be going over today, and you can read the whole thing on your own when you're at home, because you all do that, right? (laughs) Amen. All right. So Mark chapter 8. They said seven and he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them uh, to the disciples to set before the people and they set them before the crowd and they had a a few small fish and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them and they ate and were satisfied and they took up the broken pieces left over seven baskets full and there were about 4,000 people and he sent them away. I'm going to jump over to verse 22. And and they came to Bethesda, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. We're going to jump down to verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and killed after three days and rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, your powerful word. Lord, we thank you that it is alive, living, and active. Lord, that it speaks to us today, that it judges the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Lord, we thank you for that. God, we thank you. And we open up our hearts and our minds today. We open up our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears today. We want to see and hear what you're doing. We want to see and hear what you're saying. God, we pray in Jesus' name that we'd have soft hearts to hear from you today and that we would walk away changed, different, full of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, We recently went to Disney World. Has everyone uh, ever been to Disney World or any Disney fans? We have Disneyland close by, and we had been there a couple times. We'd never been to Disney World. But my family, uh, we had a couple reasons why we needed to travel to the Orlando area. And so we thought, well, why not make a little trip out of it and surprise the kids? So for about six weeks, we knew that we were going, but they didn't know. And we were gonna keep it a surprise. And we had this whole elaborate scavenger hunt planned. And my son is eight years old and he thrives on knowing everything, right? He has lots of questions. From the time that he knew how to speak, he had a ton of questions and questions upon the questions and questions about the questions, right? I mean, the questions never end. And so if he senses that there might be something going on, he has to know because knowledge is power, right? Does anybody else have a son or a daughter? daughter like that. Like, they just have so many questions. So we are planning this thing, and we, and we drop the hint that we are going to do something fun when we're in Florida, okay? But I can't leave it at that for him, for his mind. He needs to know what it is, right? For six weeks, it was like, what are we doing? What is the fun thing? And for whatever reason, he comes up to me, and he says, I figured it out. And I'm like, Really? We figured it out because we've been real good about hiding this this plan, this big plan, right? And he's like, "I figured it out, Mom. I know what it is. I know what we're doing." And I'm like, "Okay, what what do you think that we're doing when we're in Florida?" And he goes, "You guys are taking us to the movies." I'm like, "Pretty good guess, man. That's a pretty good guess." You know, you said this, and then you said this, and I put the pieces together, and I figured it out. We're going to the movies. I'm like, okay. So then every time our Florida trip would get brought up at the dinner table, he'd kind of give me like a little like, I know what we're doing. You, you know, we're going to the movies. You know, and then late, like a little later on when it's just him and I in the morning, he's like, we'll probably get popcorn too, huh? Yeah. Like, this is going to be epic. We're going we're gonna to see what. Do you know what movie we're going to be, be seeing? I'm like, I don't even know what's out yet, man. I mean, and I'm not, even, I'm not even confirming that you're right, but I just am saying you're just a good guesser. You are a good guesser guesser so every now and then he'd be like popcorn movies like I've got this figured out and like he is like puffed up like I know more than my sisters know I am in on this plan in Florida we are going to the movies you can tell we do a lot of fun things with our kids right (laughs) like we could go to the movies any week we have church in a movie theater right (laughs) but um but in his mind he was fixated on this plan to go to the movies so we planned this elaborate scavenger hunt and and we maybe put a little too much thought into it because it was pretty complicated and it caused a lot of quarreling along the way so it didn't have this climactic moment we were hoping for but nevertheless they figured it out we're going to Disney World and we're like this is so exciting and so my my son we're trying to break it down because they're just not really understanding like what's the difference between Disney World Disneyland I don't get it and then like later on he's just like well what about the movies dude we were never going to the movies, but get so fixated on the movies. But I, I, we're trying to explain to him, like, okay, movies this size, right? Disneyland, 85 acres. I looked this up, right? Disney World, 27,000 acres, Okay, the size of San Francisco. Okay, I know it's not all parks or whatever, but it's 27,000 acres. It's massive. But I, it kind of got me thinking about, you know, this message. And last week we talked about unbelief. And then this week we're going to talk about something kind of similar and how oftentimes we get kind of small-minded, right? We're thinking we've got like this movie theater plan figured out. And God's like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> You're real close. You're real close. But he's thinking like, 27,000 acre plan, right? And we're thinking movie theater. And we've got our minds so fixed on the movie theater plan that it's hard for us now to accept the big, huge gift that God's offered us, right? He's offered us this big plan. He's offered us this big, magnificent thing in our lives, miracles, right? He's offered us the supernatural. He's offered us all these things. And we have got our minds so fixed on the movie theater that it now becomes hard for us to wrap our minds around anything bigger than that. And so I want to talk to you about how we can avoid being small-minded and short-sighted because oftentimes we're seeing in these scriptures the disciples having the tendency to get focused on the here and now, right? They're focused on the, this small picture that's right in front of them, and Jesus is trying to get them to look up and see the bigger picture, to see the bigger vantage point. If you've ever flown on a plane, sometimes you get the higher you get, right? The smaller you realize we are. You realize we are just like these little blobs of flesh or these little, they look like little toy cars running around. But the higher we get, sometimes the smaller things appear. And so think about God having this higher vantage point than we have. And yet we get so fixed on the here and now and the circumstance right in front of us. And God is saying, let me take you to a higher vantage point. Let me take you to a higher perspective. Let me take you so that you can see what I see and you can begin to see the bigger plan that I'm trying to do. Amen? So in Mark chapter 8, that first portion of scripture where we see the disciples and, and, and the crowd and Jesus is teaching them and he's feeding the 4,000. And a couple chapters ago in Mark chapter 6, he fed the 5,000, a very similar circumstance. They're all sitting there. They've been listening to Jesus for a long time. They're getting hungry. And he supernaturally multiplies the bread and the fish. How many of you read that story? Okay, pretty awesome story. They've actually lived it before, right? Mark chapter 6, they lived it before. They gave him the 12, and then he multiplied it to the 5,000. Here they are again in a similar circumstance to where they were. Same situation where they've been listening to Jesus for a while, they're in a desolate place, and and the disciples, you would think having been through it before, they would say, we got this, right? We know where the bread's gonna come from. We know how these people are gonna be fed. But yet, even though they had been through a similar situation before and watched God come through supernaturally before, they still ask, where are we going to get bread in this desolate place? Where is it gonna come from? How is this gonna work out? And before we kind of shake our finger at the disciples, how many of us can relate to that very same mind process, right? We've, God's brought us out of it before. He's brought us out of that similar situation before. Maybe it was a job loss. Maybe it was a relationship strain. Maybe I don't know what it is for you, but then we find ourselves in a similar situation and yet we still are like, how's it going to work out? Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And God's like, hey, remember before, I've brought you out of this before, I can bring you out of it again, amen? So we need to remember that the things that God has already brought us out of. And when we find ourselves in similar trials, similar circumstances, remembering the God that's still with us today, right in the midst of us, right in the midst of our situation. And so one of the things that intrigues me about this scripture is that in Mark chapter six, when he fed the, the 5,000, um, they brought the bread and the, lo- the fish, right, all at once. But in this, in this situation, he said, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven, but they didn't mention anything about fish. So I'm going to give the disciples the benefit of the doubt <clears throat> and assume maybe they forgot about the fish, okay? Maybe they forgot. Maybe they weren't willingly holding anything back. Maybe they just forgot that they had some fish to work with. But if they are anything like me, I don't forget about my protein, Okay. I don't forget about the protein. It's the first thing that I think about when I'm thinking about a meal. Do you have any meat lovers? Like I'll take the eggs Benedict over the pancakes any day, right? Uh, If I'm hungry, I need protein. Don't give me the fluffy cereal. I need some meat or some eggs. Okay. So I don't know if they forgot about the protein, but if they did, then shame on them. But so they have these these few fish that they, they seem to have held back for whatever reason. And so it wasn't until after Jesus multiplied the loaves and distributed them amongst the people that they then came and brought these fish. And they brought the fish, and then they multiplied the fish. And I, I just think whatever the situation was, whether it was a willingly held it back or whether we forgot about it or we found it later... I believe that in order for us to avoid living small-minded and short-sighted, in order for us to, to be people of faith that see this miracle working God right in front of us, we need to remember to hold nothing back. We need to remember to hold nothing back. Whether it's unintentional or intentional, we need to begin to examine our lives and say, is there any area of my life that I have not yet given over to Jesus? Is there any area of my life that I've just said, I've got to take control of this, these three little fish that I have, and I have this scarcity mentality that there's only enough for me, there's not gonna be enough to go around. I don't really know if I can trust Jesus, so I'm gonna watch what he does with the bread. Let's see what happens then, and then I might trust him with this other area of my life, Right? we can be like that. We can hold areas of our life back from God. We can hold things back from him thinking, I'm not sure if I can really trust him. I'm not sure if I can really trust what he's going to do with this area of my life. I kind of like my little control of my three little fish that I've got, right? Kind of like my protein for myself. But the bigger picture that God was trying to do is not just enough for them, but enough for everyone, right? Not just enough to bless the disciples with more than enough, but there's more than enough to go around to bless all the people that they're around. And the areas of our life that we are holding back from Jesus, we're the only ones, us and the people around us. Jesus doesn't need. He could probably snap his fingers and fish could pop out of the air, right? But we get to be a part of this process of God multiplying, of God doing something only he can do, okay? Only he can do the multiplication uh, supernaturally of the fish, okay? I can't change three loaves, and I, can't, I might be able to figure out an illusion, like an illusionist do, right? I've been watching those shows. But I can't do that. Only God can do that. What is God asking you to do or to surrender or to give to him that only he can do? There are things that only he can do. And sometimes when we get so small-minded and short-sighted, we start to pray for things that we can do. Lord, I pray I have a really good day at work today. You know, he gave you the self-control to choose a good attitude, so that's not really a huge faith prayer. I pray that I just have a smile on my face today. You can do that. You can do that, right? We pray for things that we can do rather than trusting prayers that are big enough that only God can do those things. Do we have the faith as believing believers, not as doubtful believers, not as hesitant believers, not as believers that are holding things back, but do we have the faith to say, God, I'm going to trust you for something that only you can do, that's going to impact all the people around me, not just me, not just enough for me, not just for me to control this area of my life, but if I put it in your hands, can you do something that only you can do? Are you believing for things that only God can do? You're praying for things that you can do. Amen? Number two, if we want to avoid living small-minded and short-sighted, we want to be people of faith, right? People with an eternal perspective. Number two is we don't settle halfway. And when he goes and he begins to work on this blind man, he begins to touch him, and the blind man gets to the place where he, he's no longer blind, but he, it says that he sees people, but they're like trees walking around. He has got blurry vision. He can't see all the way, but he can see part of the way, right? He's got blurry vision. It's not maybe the full breakthrough he was hoping for, but it's partial. It's better than, than it was before. And then Jesus touches him one more time, and it says he could see everything clearly. And I believe this is such a powerful scripture because a lot of times we compare our story to somebody who got instant breakthrough, right? They got instant financial provision. You've been looking for a job for years and they found it instantly. You've been waiting for that husband or that wife for years and it seemed like they just met somebody and found their, theirs right away or whatever the situation is for you, we can't compare our journey from somebody who got their breakthrough instantly to some of us who have had to go yard by yard drip by drip, little by little. And we see this picture of a gradual healing taking place. Usually when Jesus touched people, it seemed like it happened instantly. But maybe he put this in here to show us it doesn't always happen in the same package. Doesn't always happen in the same method. Maybe some of you got that instant touchdown 50 yard. Is that a realistic 50 yard? Is that realistic for football? Okay, maybe some of you got that 50-yard pass touchdown in your life, and we praise God for that. But there are others of us who are going yard by yard. You may have come to hear a female preacher this morning, but I'm throwing in football analogies for you, so you better give me some feedback. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) I'm trying. I don't know if 50 yards is a thing, but I'm trying. Some of us will get our touchdown yard by yard and face a lot of opposition along the way. We'll still praise God for the victory. We're still praising God all along the way. But for some of us, it's been a journey. It's been a struggle. It didn't happen instantaneously. But will we be like the blind man and say, I'm not going to settle for blurry vision. I'm not going to give up halfway. I'm going to let Jesus touch me one more time. I'm going to let Jesus touch me one more time. And if it still doesn't happen then, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to let Jesus touch me one more time. I'm going to let him touch me one more time, and I'm not going to settle halfway. Because a lot of us can live life like that. We can live life based on it's not as bad as it used to be. My marriage isn't as bad as it used to be. It's not great, but it's not as bad as it used to be, so I'll just settle here. My finances are not not as bad as it used to be. I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, and I'm still in debt, but at least it's not as bad as it used to be, so I'll just settle here. I'm I'm in pain still. I've been to see the doctors and I've done all the things that I can do, but I'm still in pain. But at least it's not as bad as it used to be. So I'll just stop asking Jesus. I'll just stop coming and believing for a healing in my life. Let's not settle halfway when God can touch us one more time. Amen? He can touch us one more time. He's still a miracle working God. He's still a supernatural God. He's still the God who heals. He's still the God who delivers. He's still Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Let's Swallow our pride, humble ourselves and say, no matter how many times it takes, I'm going to press forward yard by yard, little by little, drop by drop, because you know what drops do? Eventually, they create waves, right? So I'm going to let that miracle happen, happen however God wants it to happen. Maybe it'll be instant, but maybe it'll be yard by yard, drip by drip, little by little. Amen? And I believe that there's something to be said for contending with contentment, because just because I'm asking God and believing God for more doesn't mean I'm, I'm not content. We can still be content in all circumstances, but yet contend for more and believe for more. I can still be grateful and say, God, I'm grateful that it's not as bad as it used to be. I'm grateful for the progress that I've made. I'm grateful that I, I, I used to be blind, but now I can see even if I can just see a little bit. I'm grateful, but I'm gonna contend for more because you're a big God. And I'm going to stretch my faith and not be short-sighted and small-minded and so focused on this little, little piece of the puzzle when there's a much bigger picture for the, for the expansion of God's kingdom. Amen? And for his glory. Number three, if we want to avoid living small-minded and short-sighted, we want to be people of faith, right, with that eternal perspective. We need to embrace challenges. And <clears throat> we see this Portion of scripture where Jesus is plainly telling the disciples that basically he's going to suffer, he's going to die, bad things are going to happen, but you know, it's for a purpose. But Peter is like, No, Jesus, that's not going to happen to you. And he's like, I've got you. We've got this comfort zone here. Miracles are taking place, good things are happening. He didn't say all that. I'm just kind of reading into maybe what he was thinking. But there's a, there's, a, there's a place of comfort there. Like, no, you're not going to suffer. You're not going to die. Challenges aren't going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen to you. And Jesus actually calls Peter's thinking satanic. He's like, get behind me, Satan. He's not calling Peter Satan, but he's saying like that kind of thinking has the, the, the thoughts of man and not the thoughts of God. And so we need to, it, when we're stretching our faith, we're believing for more. We also don't want to have our head in the clouds, right? We also don't want to have this romanticized idea of how it's all going to work out. We want to be able to understand that challenges are going to happen. Jesus said trials and tribulations are going to happen. Like, these things are going to happen. And if we, you know, try to have this big faith without recognizing that there is going to be some opposition along the way, that there is going to be some challenges along the way, we will crumble at the first sight of opposition, We will crumble because we didn't have a realistic picture. And Jesus is saying, I have a really big plan, okay? They're thinking like small picture, maybe he'll take over the kingdom and become the new king or whatever, messianic, whatever. But he's thinking savior of the world, right? Forgiveness for all humanity's sins, die on the cross, freedom, reconciliation, filled with the Holy Spirit, like he's thinking much, much bigger, right? And they're still on this movie theater like wavelength, thinking small, thinking here and now. And he's saying, embrace the challenge because there's a, there's a bigger picture that I'm creating. There's a bigger plan that I'm working on. And I want you to be a part of that plan. But you have to remember that there's going to be some challenges along the way. And so if we think, no, I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. My comfort zone feels really good. And if God calls me out of that comfort zone, it can't be him. That's thinking along the, the lines of the man, not of God, right? So we need to be willing to embrace challenges. Listen to this awesome scripture in 2 Corinthians 4. 17 through 18, <clears throat> it says, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We can just like read that over and over again because that is an amazing scripture what we see as this huge affliction in our life, the Bible says for our momentary light affliction, is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So let's not focus on the scene, right? On the here and now. Let's focus on the unseen. Let's not focus on the temporal, the thing that's right in front of us, that challenge that's monopolizing our time, monopolizing our energy, can't keeping us up at night. Can we lift up our eyes and focus on the eternal perspective? Are we stuck focusing on the scene, focusing on the here and now, focusing on the temporary? Number four, if we want to avoid living small-minded and short-sighted, we need to surrender control. We need to surrender control. Jesus takes, right after that moment with Peter, he takes the crowd, takes the disciples. He's like, let me explain something to you you're trying to hold on to this life of yours. You're trying to hold on to this comfort of yours. And I want to explain something to you. And I want to read to you in the message translation, the same scripture that I just read to you in ESV. <clears throat> it says, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. There's a theme there, right? Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how self-help is no help at all self-sacrifice is the way my way to saving yourself your true self what good would it be to get everything you want and lose you the real you what could you ever trade your soul for he's saying guys you you're, you're 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 standing in the wrong line you you're thinking that you want these things, and you're thinking that you want this plan, but what good would it be if you got everything you ever wanted and you realized that you lost yourself in the process, you lost your soul in the process? I think this is one of the most powerful passages of scripture in the New Testament, saying, hey, let me lead. Let me be in the driver's seat. And I wonder how many Christians are saying that they follow Jesus, but they're actually the ones leading, saying, hey, Jesus, come bless my plans. Come bless what I want to do. But if we look at this scripture and we actually begin to live it, it's a God first. It's God in the driver's seat. It's God taking the lead and us saying, God, I willingly submit to your plan. I'm in the passenger seat. I'm along for your journey. Help me to hear and see and know what your plan is and what your will is and what you're trying to do in this situation so that I don't hoard my three little fish thinking that there's only enough for me, right? Right? When God has a bigger plan and a bigger purpose and he wants us to be a part of it. Amen. If the band wants to go ahead and come up. We were at Disney World and we had a moment where we didn't have any more fast passes. And so we had to stand in lines that were shorter to kill time, get out of the sun and all that. And there was this one uh, ride that was the Little Mermaid ride. And we were like, oh, perfect. It's only 20 minutes. Let's go. And we'll go, you know, get out of the sun and stand in that line. And so we go. And we're standing in this line that's just not moving at all. Way longer than 20 minutes. And, <clears throat> but you know when you're already in something and you've been at it for a long time, you're like, you can't give up now. We've been standing in the, r- the line forever. But you're, you're already too far in, Right. So we're too far in. We finally get to the front of the line. We realize people are starting to pull out their autograph books. We're like, wait, did we stand in the wrong line? No. No, there's no way we waited an hour in the wrong line. No way, right? We round the corner and sure enough, there's Ariel. And none of us have any interest in meeting Ariel. We were like, what just happened? And so we're trying to like not like offend Ariel, but we're like, hey pj you want to take a picture with ariel this is awesome but it kind of got me thinking how often we might find ourselves standing in the wrong line in our lives thinking we've got it figured out thinking we're in the right line we're doing what we think is best and then we find ourselves at the end and i don't want to be at the end standing in the wrong line when it comes to the end of my life. I don't want to be like the scripture that says that I got everything that I ever wanted, but I lost myself. I lost my soul in the process. And I don't think anyone would want that either. And that's the good news about our Savior is that he gives us that opportunity to let him lead. He gives us that opportunity daily to say, will you choose me? Will you choose my plan? Will you choose my will? When our will and God's will intersect, we can say, not my will, but yours be done. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? God, we thank you so much. You're such a faithful God. You're so good. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that's working right here in our midst. I realize that there might be some of you in this room that you have never made that decision to get in line, to Mm -hmm. say, I'm going to follow Jesus and I want to surrender my life to him and I want to be sensitive to this moment for you and give you that opportunity to choose Jesus if you haven't already. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that was you today and the Holy Spirit was tugging on your heart and just saying, hey, that's me, let me lead. Let me become Lord of your life. If you'd slip up your hand, I would love to pray for you. Let's just all pray that prayer together. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, Jesus. I thank you that you died for me to save me from my sin. I pray that you would come into my heart and that I would let you lead. I pray you would be the driver's seat and not me. I pray that you would help me to surrender control, help me to have bigger faith in who you are, And I thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you so much. God, for everyone in here who may have had the tendency to be thinking small-minded and short-sighted, God, I pray for each and every one of us. Lord, to lift up our eyes to the bigger picture, to lift up our eyes to what you could be doing in our lives and the way you could be moving. God, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith and increase our faith today. And I pray that we would go out not just having a good Sunday today, but I pray, Lord, that Monday through Friday, God, that this whole week, Lord, this whole month, this whole summer would be a supernatural summer for Canvas Church. I pray that the people of Canvas Church would begin to have spiritual eyes to see the bigger picture of what you're trying to do, that they would have eyes to see see how you want to use them, that they would have ears to hear. Lord, the things that you're speaking to them, the things that you're putting on their heart, God, I pray that we wouldn't settle halfway. God, I pray even if it comes drip by drip and little by little, God, we would press forward, we would press through that opposition, and God, we would begin to take hold of the victory that you have for us. And I thank you, Lord, for all those, Lord, who have been believing for something for a long time. God, I thank you that you hear their prayers Lord, and even if it happens little by little, Lord, I believe you're going to bring that victory in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.